Hello there, I'm Kiel Ronan Beatmaker, and on this episode of The Monday Mindset, we're going to discuss how to live. Every moment of light and dark is a miracle. Walt Whitman. Fully functioning persons expect emotional pain as an inevitable reality of life. In fact, they take it as an indispensable stimulus for change. This does not mean that they ask for pain or stand passively by waiting to be hurt. Rather, they understand the pain and the need not only for discomfort, but can also be utilized as a positive force for growth and humanness. A life without pain, if such a life possible, will be but a part of a life. For pain and joy are interrelated, at times dependent upon one another, in certain circumstances growing from one another. Dr. Leo. You know, emotional pain is fundamental in our growth of our self-actualization. You know, we we need we need to have an experience pain in order to become better in our resolve towards pain and the experiences that we are dealt with in our life. You know, we don't you know, I feel like we're not really taught anymore or really see the value in emotional pain and and being able to handle it well you know and i i feel like you know social media has been very hazardous to our ability to handle emotional pain um because the reality is is that you know as much as we like to think you know social media isn't our friend people on social media are not your friends um and I, and I mean that in, in a very, you know, broad statement that, you know, because we do not see the value in, in our emotional pain, because we're taught to disregard it on, or we're taught to put blame on others for what we're experiencing in our pain, you know, we see that in social media. How often have you been on Twitter or Instagram or whatnot? And, you know, you see people kind of complaining about the pain that they're experiencing in their life, whatever they're going through. Um, And sometimes, you know, there's some guilt in that pain because maybe, you know, they're complaining about, you know, the guilt that they're feeling for their reaction or the way they behave towards someone. But either way, you know, you're not, you're looking for other people and you're looking for validation in your pain. And, that's not healthy to look towards other people to validate your emotional pain or to be the ones to provide you the comfort. You need to look at yourself first. And then we don't see that because we then allow people on social media or friends or family, whatever, to, you know, support us, but not really support us. They're just, you know, we're we're just talking and they're just saying, mm-hmm, yep, you're right. You got this. Preach, brother. Yeah, you you know it, sister. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> Dude, you got that, you know? And and that kind of that's not really support. You're not growing or learning from what you're feeling. You're just having people around you validate it, and then you're just sinking deeper into that pain. But you're not coming out of there um better or stronger or or, or feeling more, you know validated in yourself or in your feelings no you're just going to be more resentful you know 
You're going to be more angry. You're going to be, you know, putting the blame onto other people. You're not going to be self-aware of yourself. And, you know, and that's the problem is that we don't, we don't teach how to manage our emotional pain by being self-motivating students. We don't, we don't see the value in that anymore. And I don't know um, what is the cause of that. I know that from what I've seen, even, you know, I used to work in the education system. I used to work in, in high schools and middle schools. And, you know, there is, you know, a lot of um, explaining away behavior or um, the way people act as being learning disabilities or being cognitive disabilities and, and things like that. And I don't mean serious um, cognitive disabilities. Um, I mean, like, you know, ADHD and um, ADD, things like that, um, that we are then, we use those kind of those things as excuses um, to our emotional pain rather than, rather than addressing it full on. Um, and it's unfortunate that we live in a world where, you know, we would rather than solving the problems rather than learning how to, you know, find the necessary outlets and tactics and skills um, and fundamentals that allow us to grow and be able to handle our emotional pain. We are, we wave it off as onto excuses, whether that's our depression or our anxiety or our ADHD, whatever it can be. And I'm not saying that those aren't, you know, valid issues or, you know, valid, you know, experiences. But what I'm trying to say is that we are so quick to, rather than figure out what is the root, rather than learning how to grow and mature our emotional pain, we talk, we, we, we toss it off to our depression. We toss it off to, we, we use excuses to not to prevent ourselves from being self-motivating students and motivating ourselves to deal with and to navigate our emotional pain in a healthy manner. Not only in a healthy manner, but in a manner that allows us to be more self-aware and more mindful of ourselves and our personal universe. But we don't teach that anymore. We don't see that value in our society anymore. And don't get me wrong, if you're someone out there that's taking, you know, any form of medic, med, uh, medic, medication for antidepressant, anxiety, whatever it may be, I'm not saying that you need to just disregard that. No. What I'm saying is, okay, what I'm saying is that you need to also find other outlets that you can internally use that help you overcome whatever you're experiencing. Because let's be honest. You know, I've been on antidepressants. They're not always going to make you feel better. You're going to have bad days even if you take your antidepressant, <laughs> even if you take your, your ADD, even if you take your ADHD, even if you take your anti-anxiety. You can't escape it no matter what. Yeah, they may help you cope with it, but sometimes you're going to have a bad day or you may for, forget to take your medication. Whatever. We're humans. Things happen. Things unexpected happen. But the question is, in those moments, are you able to cope and react in a manner that is healthy for, for the emotional pain that you're experiencing? And I'm not talking about physical pain. You know, it's a whole different thing. I'm talking only about me emotional and mental pain. 
You know, how are you able to react to it? Are you able to motivate yourself to, to navigate through it, to push through it, to forge your way through the pain? And through that forging, learn how, learn the implications, learn the lessons from it that can grow. You know, remember how I always say, you know, we have to live life as a lesson learned and self-motivating students value that. And, you know, the reality is in our world, in the essential reality, you cannot experience joy without having known pain. You, you can't. You can't experience pain without knowing joy. It's all, it's all coalescing to one. There, I mean, think about how many times we've all been in those situations where we're laughing so hard that our stomach hurts, that our abs are hurting, that it's phys- it physically hurts to laugh. I mean, think about that. If you're going to tell me you can't have joy without pain, that's a perfect example of it. And we love that. How many of us love those laughs where our where we're hurting? You're on the ground. <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking about it. You're on the ground, just hurting, but you can't stop. You you want to stop, but you can't stop laughing in the pain. But it's worth the pain. You know how many of of, of you know whether you're a, a UFC fighter and you you win the the you know the match or you know I'm not I'm not an expert in the UFC stuff, but. You know, you win that match against your other opponent and you may come out of there broken and bloodied, but that pain was worth it. No different than if you're a basketball player, if you are a football player. You know, there are so many things in our world that that bring us joy, but also come with pain. And and that's something that we have to see that's so fundamentally beautiful about being human about being conscious being is that we can experience joy and pain simultaneously and take comfort in both. That is a wild thing to experience and to acknowledge and to know. But we don't think about that. We don't think about how many things in this world, you know, you know, damn, how about spicy food? I love spicy food. How many of us have had some good spicy chicken curry with some rice? Mm, that pain, it's worth it. It's des- it's desired. It's needed. <laughs> or, you know, you get some good, you know, some good sushi and a little bit of wasabi. Whew. You know, you, you, you know, you got some, some nasal congestion, you know, take a swivel, some wasabi, that'll clear it up. <laughs> but, you know, those are things that like, you know, that are so beautiful about life, you know, working out. Come on now. Tell me about it. Especially when you're working out. Like, you know, I love doing my, my, my kettle workouts in the morning and I love that pain. Who doesn't, if you are an, a really active person, you love the pain that you get during working out. It, it feels good, that resistance and that pain of overcoming the resistance and overcoming that pain to, to get in that last rep, to get in, to clock in that last lap, you know, whatever it can be. It's an amazing feeling, but you know, the, you know what's but we can take so many lessons from that from those you know from those you know those joyful pains that we experience in life we can take so much from that and we can apply that to you know the the painful experiences in life that don't feel good but we can still learn from them and we can value them and and maybe you come out you know you know 
looking at it, you know, glass half full or, you know, sunny side up. But, you know, that has to be taught and learned and you have to want, you have to want to live a life like that. You have to want to have that kind of mindset. And, the, you know, the essential reality is, is that discomfort builds character. You know, that's, you know, we all know that. Think of your most, you know, some of your your, your famous actors or, you know, politicians or I don't, maybe not politicians, but, you know, think of people from back in the day, you know, whether it's, you know, Albert Einstein, you know, to Frederick Douglass, <laughs> you know, you have to think of all these people who, and I, you know, anybody who has, has brought up through discomfort, various forms of discomfort and have overcome that discomfort and they've succeeded in their goals and dreams. And, you know, that's something that we have to look forward into our lives. You know, if we approach all the pain and, and conflicts and, and circumstances as a challenge to test our resolve, to see if we can overcome then we will feel more confident in ourselves. We'll feel more validated in ourselves, and and that's important. But that takes time, and that takes building character. And you know, we all want to have good character. I mean, most of us want to have good character. I would hope that all of us would want good character. But good character comes from discomfort. Great character comes from discomfort. You know, you look at. Your superheroes, you, you you look at any of them, it's there is so much discomfort in the hero's journey. <laughs> I mean, you know, you want to look at a, a a journey of discomfort, look at um you Ulysses. That's a prime example of a of a of a journey of discomfort that when he makes it to Ithaca, whoo, that character that you see, man. <laughs> oh man, oh boy, that is one incredible story especially when he gets to Ithaca. But that's a story of discomfort. You know, you look at many of the stories of, of mythology, Greek, Roman, you know, Viking mythology, all of it. There is so much discomfort. Mayan mythology, Egyptian mythology, <laughs> Egyptian mythology, are you kidding me? You know, comfort is expected. I mean, discomfort. <laughs> but there, all of these different mythologies have discomfort in them. And that discomfort that is experienced in the various gods and demigods and, and heroes and heroines, it is that discomfort that builds their character, that makes them fundamentally, you know, fundamentally easy for us to associate with them, to digest with them, to learn from them. And we need to see that. We need to understand that, you know, discomfort and emotional pain, it builds character. And it can build a, a, an amazing character, a, a character full of wisdom and humility, but we have to choose to be that type of person. You know, as Dr. Leo says, the fully functioning person is aware that emotional pain is largely self-made. It does not arise, as we so often presume, from the actions of others, a negative situation, or an unhappy occurrence. It is our personal reaction to these things. It is not others and other things which cause our unhappiness. It is ourselves. We are very real sense. In a very real sense, excuse me, we are directly responsible for our pain. Dr. Leo, fully functioning 
individuals understand that we are our greatest strength and our strongest weakness. For this crucial knowledge allows us to prevent and defend against cognitive distractions. Cognitive distractions are self-inflicting and induce self-sabotaging and induce self-sabotage, causing us to place blame upon others within our personal universe. Self-accountability becomes taboo, and thus we force the world to bend to our will unsuccessfully as we choose to live life the hard way. A self-sabotaging cognitive distraction of greedy false self. Somewhere along the line, individuals have lost the knowledge that your focus determines your reality. As I always say, we are products of our environment. We can choose to learn from or become the environment. So too is said of our responsibility and the pain we experience throughout our journey. We determine the level of impact it has on our self-esteem and personality, the effect it has on our perspective towards our personal universes, the amount of emotional resources we invest. Everything I have spoken of can only be answered within ourselves. There is no one else in this world responsible for your pain. For those who may have or have inflicted pain, bear the responsibility in the moment, but it is up to us to forge the path and answer the pain this life lesson has taught. Self-actualization can build callous wisdom found in the crucible that can be pain, a crucible of the mind bound in day-to-day of our personal universes. A personal rejection may be taken as an insurmountable barrier and a reason for self-pity and hate or as an incentive for looking more closely and critically at our behavior, as a means of correcting it and thus attempting to change the behavior of others towards us. Dr. Leo. You know, like I was saying earlier, you know, we are not, we're not taught how to handle, especially, (laughs) we're not taught how to handle nowadays personal rejection in our lives. And I'm not going to be, you know, talking about it in terms of, you know, men and, you know, trying to talk to girls and any of that stuff. I just mean in general, personal rejection, whether it be from, excuse me, whether it be from, you know, applying for a job, school, you know, whatever, those kind of, you know, situations that we experience, and I guess even relationships, um, you know, we're not taught how to handle the rejection and how to learn from it, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, let's say applying for a job, you know, what about, you know, during the interview and all that you reflect, you know, what about it that I did not do right? You know, was there something in the in the interview? And, you know, and they'll tell you, you know, whatever reasons that, you know, they gave you for not wanting to hire, for not wanting to hiring you or whatnot. But then take your time and think about yourself. Like, okay, this is what they're telling me. What could I do better next time in the interview? Or what was it about maybe my presentation or things like that, you know? And and take the rejection as like, okay, I didn't get it maybe because it, it just wasn't meant to be, or I'm not the right fit, or you you have to look and educate yourself on the rejection, you know? 
even if it's for a good thing, you know, like I said, whether even if it's for a school, okay, I didn't get accepted into this school. That's fine. You know, what can I learn about my my grades, what I'm looking for? What kind of school can I find that would accept the type of student that I am? Because, you know, I don't always think that, you know, the rejection is always like negative. There, there couldn't be positive in it. And like I was saying, all right, I didn't get accepted into this school, but let me see if I can find a school that's right for the type of person I am and the type of grades and, and um, ex extracurricular activities that I have done. Those are all things that are, you know, important to take in consideration, even with looking for work or looking for friends, you know, the rejections that we get. It's, you know, even relationships, I, I you know, I, I don't want to use rejection relationships as like excuses, as an excuse, but as examples, because I feel like it's just, that's just exhausting. And I'm trying hard not to <laughs> use those, especially coming from a guy, because I just don't even want to get into it. But regardless, we have to learn from the rejections. And I guess that's the best way I can put it for all of it, is what can you positive, positively learn from the rejection and apply it to future, you know, opportunities, future applications for jobs, for schools, for a future application for a relationship, <laughs> whatever it can be. Um, but, you know, when I was younger, like, you know, the era that I'm from, like, we were taught how to handle rejection. I Well, my, my, where I grew up, the things that I experienced, people who I interact and who have taught me, we were taught how to handle um, rejection. You know, I remember even you know, with my mom, you know, practicing interviewing and, you know, what happens if you don't get accepted and how do you handle that? You know, and it, it, we don't have those kind of conversations or even talking with girls, you know, you know, I would have those conversations with my mom. I was raised by a single parent, side note, <laughs> fun fact. Um, but, you know, we, I used to have those kind of conversations and I, I think, you know, the era that I was, that I'm, was brought up in the product of, I think those kind of communicate those type of type of conversations were had more frequently. Um and even a little bit taught in schools, you know. But nowadays, you know, when I was growing up, you know, there wasn't Twitter, you know, there wasn't even YouTube um for to complain about your problems or things like that to, you know, if you didn't take rejection well back in the day, you know, everyone saw it and there are more chances of you being embarrassed um, than you amplifying and having people recording you and cheering you on. Um, and I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, shoot me an email, the Monday mindset 009 at gmail.com. Please, I would love to hear some of your thoughts. Anyone out there, if you're interested, please shoot me an email, little side promo for myself at the Monday mindset at 009 at gmail.com please tell me about some experiences that you've had with um rejection and how did you handle it you know what were some of the tactics or some of the lessons that you learned that you learned or were situations where you did not handle rejection well you know please i would love to hear some of your stories and thoughts and i would if you feel comfortable would love to share them on the podcast so please 
one more time, hit me up at the email at the Monday Mindset 9 at gmail.com. That is lower case. And as I was saying, personal rejection, we got to handle it. We got to get a better grasp of it. We have to teach our children about it. If you have kids, if you have nieces and nephews, you know, have, you know, mock <laughs> rejection, you know, interactions with them and things like that. Have those kind of conversations. How do you act? You know, wh- what are ways to handle it? We don't have those kind of conversations with the younger generation in schools, in families. I'm, I'm sure they don't. Um, and we need to have those kind of questions because, you know, regardless of what the personal rejection is, there's always a lesson to be learned. You can always take away something from it in a positive manner. It doesn't have to be negative. I mean, even if it's a negative situation, you, you can take away something positive that will make you a better person. You can do that. You just have to be willing to and desire to have that type of perspective and mindset to view things that way. And I know everyone's different and it's not going to be for everyone. And I'm not saying you got to be like me. Please don't be yourself, but find ways to handle personal rejection. Because, you know, we don't see, you know, personal rejection as an opportunity to change our perspectives or behavior. We see it as an opportunity to victim blame, you know, ourselves and, you know, create a big fuss and blow things out of proportion and out of perspective. We do a lot of that nowadays. We don't take time to learn how we can change our behavior so that maybe we don't experience that type of rejection again in our life. We don't take value in changing our perspective so that when we experience rejection, we don't feel sad or, oh, me, woo, me. You know, we don't play the victim and we don't self-sabotage ourselves from future opportunities. And these are things we do not talk about. And these are things that need to be talked about in any type of form, but it needs to be talked about in a positive manner. We need to communicate these kind of ideas to each other so we can learn from one another. But we don't see the value in that anymore. And I don't know when and if and will we ever see the value in that again. I hope we do. But, you know, I'll tell you here in in Western society, it's getting a little hard to be able to, you know, speak your mind freely and without any form of ridicule or harassment. And I'm not saying, you know, and I mean in a positive manner, but even sometimes if you got to let off a little steam, it's going to happen. We're human. We seem to forget that. That's one thing that I wish that we would acknowledge when it comes to our personal rejections and the way we react to things, that we are human. We're not going to always be perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't want anyone, if you're listening to this, to think I'm perfect because I'm really not. You know, and that's the reality. But, you know, but can you be perfect at the way you handle rejection? Yeah. You know, if you can take it like a champ and 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 not be a sore loser about it, you know, people will have more respect for you and 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 maybe they'll remember you and maybe they'll give you another chance, another opportunity. Things like that have have happened. You know, you know, maybe you didn't get the 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 job this time, or you didn't get into that school, or you didn't get the girl or the guy or whatnot. And, and, but that doesn't mean it's not, it's not going to happen. It doesn't mean it's not going to, it won't always, may not always be the same person, may not be the same school, but you may have a similar opportunity that's just as good. And 
The only way you can see that is if you change your perspective towards rejection and see the opportunities that open up for it. But you have to manifest that. You got to manifest that. And you got to want that perspective. You got to want that mindset. You know, you might think it's exhausting. You might, some people might be listening to me and thinking, man, this guy is too happy and hey, what's up with him and that, that, this. And, and listen, you know, like I said, you don't need to be like me. I don't want anyone to be like me. You know, I want people to be inspired by me, inspired by some of the things I say and, and apply it to your own life. Like I said, you know, we're all on our own hero's journey. We're all going to handle rejection differently, but it's about how you handle it. You know, we might be similar in our approach of handling it with, you know, without lashing out or, you know, being passive aggressive or, you know, and what have you. But we're also going to be in the same situation where we make mistakes and we may lash out. We may be passive aggressive. We may have a bad day. You know, maybe it was one of those weeks or a month or a couple of years. <laughs> but, you know, we just... Nowadays, we lack the knowledge, the strength, and the ability to be self-critical of ourselves. We really do. We don't, you know, I I like, I, I know that for me, one of the best ways for me to be self-critical of myself is to make fun of myself. Um, you know, as much as I take myself seriously at the exact same time, I do not take myself very seriously. Um, and because of that, it allows me to be critical of myself, but within reason, you know, and not overcritical and not to the point where, you know, I used to have a really bad habit of when I was, you know, self-critical of myself, you know, I would bully myself. I would hurt myself, not physically, um, emotionally, um, by saying, you know, saying really negative things about myself and what I'm trying to do or, and things like that. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a self-sabotaging, very toxic behavior in terms of being self-critical. And, you know, we're not taught, you know, proper, you know, self-critical behavior. You know, we're taught to, you know, criticize ourselves through social media or Instagram posts or Instagram live or Facebook or YouTube videos or anything like that. We're not, you know, that's how we're taught to be self-critical. And, and then by doing that, we're not really being self-critical. We're just exposing ourselves and exposing ourselves to to you know negative feedback and energy that's unnecessary and and not only that you know we just aren't taught to be we're not taught to be self-critical to ourselves within reason and i know that for myself that when i was very very critical of myself that it would be the point where i was it was unreasonable how critical i was of myself and the expectations I was putting on myself. And uh, you good, Pops? Pops, uh, he's got the sniffles. Um, but, you know, it's, we need to be, you know, acknowledging of how being self-critical of ourselves is healthy, but it needs to come from a healthy, positive mindset, from a self-affirmative self mindset, that even though we're being excuse me, self-critical of ourselves, we're, we're also being self-affirmative that we know that we're okay. We know that we're human. We know we're going to make mistakes. Mistakes. We know we're going to get better. We know that we're going to improve. We know that we're going to grow from this. That's key in being self-critical of yourself. We do not have that skill set anymore. And I'm 
you know, I don't, I don't know. How, how do you teach that to people nowadays? You know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know. If anyone has any ideas, please email me. <laughs> but I, I don't know how we apply that worldwide. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I hope that there, I'm sure there are, you know, thousands of other, hundreds of thousands of other podcasts that are probably talking about similar things like me, who probably have a better idea and probably have good, you know, programs and things on how to teach ourselves how to be, you know, more self-critical. And I think we should all look for those. And, you know, maybe I'll, you know, search around and see if I can find any and share them with you guys if I find any. But, you know, we we need to learn how to be self-critical ourselves in a positive mindset. And, hey, you know, there are times where, you know, I'll mess up and I will be disappointed in myself. Like, you really should have, you know, you should have gotten more done on your to-do list today. You know, little things like that. And I'll be disappointed of myself, but I won't beat myself up about it. And it has taken me, you know, years to get to that point where I don't beat myself up about it. I'll be disappointed, but I'll move on. You know, there back in the day, I used to not move on. You know, I would even I would keep continue to beat myself up about it, even if I, you know, messed up one time, but I kept on being consistent after that. I will still beat myself up for that one time and punish myself. Um, and we, we need to realize that that's just not a healthy mindset. Um, you know, and, and as Dr. Leo says, <laughs> you know, they fail to realize that pain can be a, a dynamic force in helping us to become aware. In fact, I am certain that continuous growth is dependent upon some source of discomfort and the degree of change is positively related to the degree of pain. Pain is a very human way of demanding change. Dr. Leo. And this really confirms what I was saying earlier about being self-critical of ourselves because pain is guaranteed in the art of living. It is a necessary ingredient. Pain can be an extension of our self-awareness and provide clarity to our circumstances and emotions. Growing pains never end, as I've said in the past. What changes is how we cope and respond to the pain that is experienced in the art of living. If we respond with negative emotions or actions, we are only deepening the pain and expanding the world, expanding the wound upon the soul. The wound will in time become infected, and the pain will spread to all aspects of our life and personal universes. We need to be aware of the ripples that are caused by our reaction to the pain we encounter. As I always say, it's bigger than you, and so should your reaction and decisions while experiencing pain in whatever circumstances come your way. The reactions and decisions you make in the moment of pain may determine whether you grow or wilt away. Such is the case with mental pain. If each time we experienced it, we would welcome it with interest and give it our immediate attention by asking ourselves, what is this hurt about? What is there for me to learn from it? What are my alternative responses besides suffering? we would perhaps discover the true reason for the pain and be able to arrive at some creative behavioral alternatives to aid ourselves in overcoming it, Dr. Leo. 
A fully functioning person has embraced the dynamic force that is pain. They approach pain with an inquisitive mind and a mature perspective. By asking ourselves, what is this pain about? Why are we, why, what is this pain about? We are determining the origin of the pain. This allows us to see its ripples and reasoning for our reaction in the moment. By following up with the question, what is there for me to learn from? We are self-analyzing our behavior and emotions, thus coming to an educational and evolutionary growth of our personhood. When we cling to pain, we end up punishing ourselves. Dr. Leo. When we ask ourselves, what are the alternatives besides suffering? Fully functioning individuals are asking themselves, how can we turn this pain into energy that will strengthen the self-motivating student? The fuel feeds the engine of inspiration and determination, or rain that gives the garden quench to embrace the eventual sunlight. We are the metaphors that determine the impact of our pain and influence upon our journey. Fully functioning persons have the courage and strength of their despair. They see it as a positive warning system to alert them to action and change, and therefore as an integral part of growth. They know that pain cannot be wished out of existence. It is real, and they must be willing to know it as their own. Having done this and learned from, they are then free to forgive and let go forever. Dr. Leo. We are so both and wonderful. Night cannot be so sky. Sky cannot be sunful. I am through you, so I. E.E. E. Cummings. Fully functioning persons recognize their need for others. They do not see this need for love and intimacy as demanding that they be less than they are, but rather as a means for reflecting their vast potentials and sharing them with others. They do not feel, they do not feel restricted by love or intimacy, but see them as a special opportunity for growth. Dr. Leo. Fully functioning individuals understand the value and strength that comes with love and intimacy. Such actions and feelings support the fully functioning person's internal self-motivating student. It lessens the blow of failures and missteps while providing comfort to the aches and pains that come with the art of living. The symbiotic relationship of love and intimacy between two fully functioning individuals creates vast potential opportunities and growth for each individual on their journey. Such love and intimacy cross-pollinate one another as each individual tends to one another's garden. Through growth, patience, support, understanding, and communication evolve their individual gardens into a singular botanical. A botanical garden ever-growing, ever-expanding, forever evolving. It is therefore imperative that the fully functioning person be constantly aware and open to change. The person in one's arms today will not be the same person tomorrow, or even, for that matter, in the next hour. Love is not nurtured or enhanced by looking back. It is always living in the now. Dr. Leo
you know, relationships change like the seasons. You know, will you adapt or will you succumb to the changing of the seasons? And that's the thing about relationships is is that we don't, you know, we become stuck, you know, in this one season, so to speak. <clears throat> and um, we don't adapt to the seasons that change in our relationships, in our individual selves, especially in relationships. And um, with that comes the unfortunate that you succumb to the relationship, you succumb to the pain. You end up living the relationship in a different season. You know, it's wintertime, but you're walking around acting like it's summer. But, you know, and when I talk about like seasons changing in relationships like that is that, you know, we have to realize and even though, you know, on, on our planet, you know, we only got four seasons, um, depending on where you live. Um, we have to think about the fact that what I mean is that, you know, constantly changing, you know, relationships are always changing, like seasons are always changing and you have to adapt, you know, no matter, you know, you look at animals, you know, that live in North America. You know, whether that's in Canada or, you know, that's in the Midwest, you know, they know how to adapt to the environment that they're in that's constantly changing. You know, it's, you know, a, you know, a leopard, you know, that lives in South America is completely different than a leopard that lives, you know, um, in the, in, in the Himalayas. <laughs> Um, it, they're completely different in terms of the environments that they're experiencing. So we have to think about that, especially when ourselves, you know, we have to, to realize that as we get older and as we change in our, our, our personal lives, they're connected to, you know, that other, our significant other in a relationship. And, you know, it's like, you know, taking two environments that are just you know, taking a desert and, you know, um, a desert and, you know, a snowy, you know, plateau area or whatever. Um, and you're combining them together, two different personalities and their environment, their seasons are going to mesh and they're going to change. But we have to also be willing to adapt to our significant others, you know, environment, you know, their seasons and their season could be com completely different of ours. We have to think about, you know, their emotional needs, their mental needs, their physical needs. Um, it all comes into play. And, you know, we have to adapt to those different changes because we have to also be willing, to, we must be willing and acknowledge that those that we love ourselves, you know, th those that we love and ourselves are constantly evolving like seasons. And, you know, are you able to support one another throughout your evolution, throughout the various seasons that change, through the ups and the downs? Are you guys able to support one another? And that's a real question. Because, you know, if you are not able to, to adapt in your relationship and and when and adapting in a and also communicative manner where you're both adapting together. You're communicating your change, the, the, 
the the change that you're experiencing and you're both reacting reacting to it together if it's one-sided it's going to fall apart it's going to affect the relationship you're going to you're going to succumb to the environment you're going to succumb to the change and you know fully functioning individuals communicate that change like i was saying they communicate that change change with their loved one because they know that it's without if they do not communicate that change to their loved one, their loved one will suffer more than they will. And and how many we've we've all experienced that. We've all we've all been victims and perpetrators of relationships where the communication is one-sided. And we know how that plays out. Either you either it ends or you're still with that person. And, and I'm not here to, to judge people on their relationships. And I'm not here to tell you how to, to live your life or, or any of that. All I'm all I all I'm here to do is give my 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 perspective and my opinions on what I have experienced in my life. And it's up to you on how you wish to absorb it and disperse it yourself. But we've all been there. And you know, fully functioning individuals, we, you know. When we find someone who is fully functioning, like, like us, who are self-motivating students, we understand how important communication is, especially during those moments when we are seeing great change in our lives. Whether that change is positive or negative, we know to communicate, hey, we're not in a good place right now. Hey, I might need some space. Hey, you know, this happened, but I don't want you to take my behavior personally or that I'm lashing out. And if I if I behave like that, I apologize. We are we hold ourselves accountable for our behavior, you know, past tense, future tense, and pretense, whatever. I don't know what that one is. <laughs> um, but you, you get what I mean. You get the gist of what I mean in terms of that little garble. <laughs> you know, and love can only grow and strengthen while being nurtured in the present. Okay, and that's the thing is that like, you know, as you're changing and evolving, you can't nurture love from the past. You can't nurture love that's in the from the the winter fall season, but you're in you know early spring season. <laughs> you can't. You have to nurture love in the moment. You know, when that person tells you, "Hey, you know, I had a really bad day, and you know, my behavior, and I might seem a little odd, but don't take it personally." Then you say to them, okay, I'm here for you. I support you. It's all right. I understand. I've been there. You you support them. You don't you don't make it about you and and hold it against them. And and that's the difference. And that's the difference in this in in how you communicate in love. It's very simple. But it's also really hard because a lot of people don't understand that or they grow apart in the communication becomes distant and futile. And I don't know what, I, you know, I can't give you the answer to all. You know, I'm, you know, I'm no guru on, on, on relationship stuff. But we have to acknowledge that, you know, the only way we can nurture and have love grow is in the present, in those moments when the seasons change, those critical moments really determine, and how you react in those critical moments really determine how it goes in the future. You know, because love focused in the past is love lost. And love lost in the moment is unsure of the future. 
Mature intimacy and love are not based upon expectations. Since no one, not even a saint, can know or meet all of our expectations, to expect from others is to court pain and disappointment. The only valid expectation in love lives in the hope that those we love will become themselves, as we do the same. Dr. Leo. The pain of love based upon expectations can be some of the most painful to experience. For those expectations are based upon selfish intent and control. The consequences are just as painful. They will lash out with cruel and ridiculing words and punishment and punishments of passive aggressive behavior and actions. A torturous cycle of toxic behavior and self-depriving validation upon the victim of the relationship. Toxic relationships that society and entertainment has romanticized. Love should have no expectations, only guaranteed. Expectations lead to disillusions. All that is guaranteed in love is the obligation that we will become better than yesterday, that we will succeed in our goals and dreams by becoming the best versions of ourselves through the strength and bond of love and intimacy for one another. Love and intimacy require some verbal expression. Too often we assume that the other person or persons know what we are thinking or how we are feeling. We are often surprised when we discover that this is not true. It is the lover's responsibility to reach out and touch the heart of the loved one. A word, a note, a flower, a simple poem can bring the much needed message of assurance. One never try, one never tires of knowing love expressed. Dr. Leo.